Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final for this doubleheader episode of Cleveland Baseball Mornings. On Friday, it was the Arizona Diamondbacks 5, the Cleveland Guardians 1. On Saturday, it's the Arizona Diamondbacks 6, the Cleveland Guardians 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and this podcast might be sounding a little different. That's because I am recording this from the road. These are road trip episodes, so I apologize for, you know, the audio quality not being like it is in our home studio, but I'm going to try my best here. You know, I'm working on the, the Spotify app on my phone here, so I'm limited by technology, but I'll do my best. We'll talk some baseball. I'll try to get to your emails at the end of the episode. And uh, we'll have a fun conversation about baseball. So let's get into this because before we even talk about these games, I leave for a road trip and decide to take a day off. And the Guardians front office goes nuts. And I mean, top storyline of the weekend has to be, no matter what happens in the baseball games in Arizona, the top storyline has to be that Mike Zanino is gone from the Cleveland Guardians and Bo. Naylor is on his way. Uh, I think he was technically active on the roster last night. I, you know, being on the road, I didn't get to watch too much of these games. I got to watch a little more of this Saturday night game because I started so ridiculously late. But then I couldn't even, I couldn't stay up to finish it. I don't know about you guys, but I couldn't stay up to finish it. Uh, So yeah, so Bo Naylor, his time in Cleveland, it begins. It begins. Here, we got it finally in June. We didn't have to wait till the All-Star break. Bo Naylor's time is here. And my guess is, I haven't seen it. Maybe by the time you listen to this episode, you'll have seen the lineups for Sunday's game. My guess is, and I texted my brother this, I was like, he's not starting. Like, Bieber likes throwing to Cam Gallagher. They, they've they they've got a connection going, and we'll get into it. But I didn't think Bo Naylor would come in and catch Bieber right away. Maybe eventually this season. Uh, but Cam Gallagher, uh, I assumed, would start. I thought Bo Naylor would pinch hit late. Actually, David Fry pinch hits late. And I'm assuming... Bo Naylor is going to start Sunday's finale of this series. We'll see if I'm right on that one. But yeah, I mean, it was a long time coming. There's, there's literally nothing to say that we haven't said on this show already. Uh, someone did reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, and uh, I like how people are excited for the show. Uh, baseball, at Baseball Megan said, I thought of you when I read this because it's been the talk of your podcast. Uh, big thumbs up from Megan. So thank you. Uh yeah, it has been, but it's been the talk of anyone who covers the Guardians. It ha- it had to have been, right? Uh, the beat writers, the podcasters. It, it just it didn't make any sense why Zanino was still on this team. So that happens, but it it's a uh, I mean a, a whole domino effect of moves, and it starts with Tristan McKenzie unfortunately getting an MRI on his elbow, feeling inflammation in his elbow. We don't like to hear that as baseball fans. We all know uh, the three words that come after right elbow inflammation for a pitcher. Tommy, John, surgery. Now, I hope I hope that's not the case. There's other treatments they do for guys who have inflamed elbows. But, God, that's the three words you don't want to hear, especially with Tristan McKenzie. I mean, this is a guy who should be, should be stepping Stepping into the shoes of Bieber, maybe, maybe as the ace of this staff, and instead set back by injury. Now maybe set back by this, uh, you'd have to wait until next baseball season to get Tristan McKenzie going, and that's a long road. Uh, it happens. I mean, it happens to everybody. 
the best pitchers in baseball it happens to. So I don't blame oh, I someone someone messaged me about how skinny Tristan McKenzie is and, and being injury prone. I, look at DeGrom in Texas just went down with Tommy John surgery, one of the best arms in baseball. So it happens to everybody, it seems. And uh, hopefully it's not. Hopefully they, they do whatever injections they do and, and get his elbow feeling better and he's able to continue pitching. Hopefully. But so because he's down, Tuki Dusan has to start Friday. He's like the only guy available down at AAA. Uh, I believe they've already uh, designated him for assignment. So he's up. They literally burn through his arm. He throws more pitches. He had started, he'd been a starter in Atlanta system. But for Cleveland, he'd been pitching mostly in relief. And he threw way more pitches than he had ever thrown this entire season. I mean, they literally burned up his arm for everything they could. And he still only didn't last the three and two-thirds innings. Um, but then uh, Richie Palacios ends up getting traded to the St. Louis Cardinals for cash. Uh, Palacios, man, he seemed like a great guy. Uh, I know him and his brother have a whole thing about like doing baseball the right way. And they're, they're very, uh, generous, it seems. And, uh, unfortunately his bat just, his bat just couldn't keep up, right? As he got higher in the minor league systems, the bat just wasn't there. So Palacios gets traded to the Cardinals for cash. Cody Morris has to be optioned. Uh, I think that's just a fact of a guy has an option available, so they have to use it. Uh, but then more moves on Saturday. Uh, Tuki Desant is designated for assignment. Uh, they recall Tim Heron. They officially call up Bo Naylor. They officially put McKenzie on the IL. Uh, and then they select a contract at Daniel Norris just to have another arm in the bullpen. So, so much going on. The top storylines out of it all, Tristan McKenzie on the IL when we thought he was going to start Friday. And, uh, Bo Naylor finally, his time is finally here. And Richie Palacios traded. If, if Palacios was a guy that you're like, hey, maybe it'd be a little outfield depth. Uh, nope, he's gone. So Friday against Arizona, I'm not going to dwell too much on this game. It was a bad game. It was going to be a bad game. You're calling up this guy from AAA. You're, your starter it goes on the IL you know, or goes for offer MRIs. And it, I mean, the whole mood of the clubhouse had to have sucked with Tristan McKenzie getting hurt. You could tell the guys love Tristan. And I mean, we all love him, and for him to go down and have to call Tuki Toussaint, like, it it sends a message to the whole team, like, we, this is going to be a struggle. This game is going to be a struggle, and uh, it was. The, I mean, the only run you get is on a Jose Ramirez solo home run in the fourth inning, and uh, they, Toussaint walks way too many guys. I mean, he ends up with five walks in this game. I remember, was that his problem in spring training? I'm not going to take the time to pull up spring. Well, actually, I could pull up his spring training stats. But you can't be, even though he only gives up two runs, like the five walks, it just, it runs up your pitch count. You can't go, what they needed him to do, not just throw 80 pitches, they needed him to go deep in the game. They needed those 80 pitches to last maybe five innings. And uh, they don't. So, uh, yeah, it, it still hurts them, even though he threw 80 pitches for him. It still hurts them uh, in the long run because they have to use up the bullpen. And I guess he didn't walk that many guys in spring training this year. Only gave up, only threw four and a third innings and only had three walks. So, okay, not terrible uh, in spring training this year. But, uh, you know, it's a 6.23 walks per nine. So, yeah, uh, he was already up to five walks in this game. So, uh, 
it's just you're not going to have you can't you can't you can't pitch at the major league level with that many walks uh curry comes in tries his best to extend this game he gets hit around um and so yeah the the uh the d-backs offense is young and talented i mean they, they they kind of are doing what the guardians did last year which is they put together this young team and they're sneaking up on everybody and they're they're running the american the national league west so i mean 42 and 28 when you when you're at 42 and 28 you're no joke anymore you are a legit uh contender in this league so uh yeah their offense is, jumps all over you know our our this is plan this isn't even plan b pitching this is plan c or d uh pitching uh when a player gets injured this close to game time and uh, or or they announce an injury this close to game time and you're sh- you're struggling struggling to call up anyone you can from triple a also, Gallon was absolutely dominant in this one. Uh, going over to the uh, Baseball Savant page for this game, uh, Gallon had 19 swings and misses, uh, led all pitchers in uh, swing and miss. Uh, going over to his player breakdown page, uh, not surprising, he attacked the strike zone. Uh, the knuckle curve is what was getting all the swing and miss from Zach Gallon. Uh, 10 whiffs on 17 swings. It's a 59% whiff rate. Overall, 19 whiffs on 48 swings is a 40% whiff rate uh, on all his pitches. And then the knuckle, uh, the forcing fastball, the forcing fastball did get six whiffs, but it had 18 called strikes. What was with his fastball? It's a 46% CSW on that pitch. It's a 40% CSW total on the day. We always talk about that being the mark. That That's the elite mark. If you can get over 40% or off 40%, you were an elite pitcher on the day. And uh, what was it with the fastball that we didn't seem to want to swing? Uh, he was in the zone 60% of the time with that fastball. So that's pounding the strike zone. And we only swung our Z swing in the zone was only 52% of the time. So what about his fastball that we just didn't even want to offer at it? Uh, so, yeah. So, um, man, uh, Zach Gallon really, really mowed us down. His final line on the day was, uh, let's go over to the box score. His final line of the day was seven innings pitched, six hits, one earned run, no walks, seven strikeouts, the solo home run given up to Ramirez. On 95 pitches, he's hard hit six times. So, I mean, that's pretty much the storyline of uh, of uh, Friday's game. I mean, the, the Guardians don't even... I mean, there's a bunch of one, two, three innings in here for the Guardians offense. They don't really... Uh, you know, Quanta singles the lead off the game, but Rosario immediately hit grounds into a double play. You know how much that drives me insane. Uh, they don't really have a rally going one, two, three inning, one, two, three inning, one, two, three. The fourth inning is a solo home run, but other than that, it's a one, two, three inning. Um, and then in the fifth inning, they finally get a little rally going. Jimenez singles, Brennan with a two-out single, and Cam Gallagher, of course, batting ninth strikes out to end that rally. So you don't expect much offense when Cam Gallagher is out there. Like, it's just not – if it happens, it's like, you know, winning the lottery, right? It's like winning a scratcher that gets you 100 bucks. You probably scratched a 1,000 of those little pieces of paper before you hit one. That's a 100 bucks or something like that. So – that's what Cam Gallagher getting a base hit at this point is like. So I, I don't see the point in talking about Friday's game more than that. It, 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 
everything was against you to win that game, and that's exactly how they came out of play. Uh, like they were never going to win that game. So let's move on to uh, MVP on the day for this one. I I guess I don't even know who to give it to on that. It's such a crappy game. Uh, sure, Ramirez had two hits, including the solo home run. Jose Ramirez can have MVP on the day for a, a rough game. Uh, moving over to the game on Saturday, because a little bit more of a game here we got going on. Now, the final is 6-3 to three, uh, Arizona, but Cleveland has no one to blame but themselves. They had so many opportunities to blow this game wide open. When your first and second batter in the game go four for five, and combined, they only cross home plate once, wow, wow, your team really wasted some opportunities. You gave yourself every chance, and you go they go two for eight with runners in scoring position, 10 runners left on base. That is just, from Jose Ramirez and Naylor and Bell, it's just not good enough. Even though Bell was drawing walks, like, we don't, we don't, I don't know how many, one of those I know came with those runners on. I think Jose Ramirez actually ended a few of these rallies. A few of these Quan and Rosario rallies started with two outs. Um, so I don't know how many times Bell got opportunities with runners in scoring position. But we needed some hits from the middle of the lineup. And it just wasn't there. Jimenez does have a home run. It just comes at the wrong time. He's up with the bases loaded, draws the walk in the first inning, which pushes Quan across the plate. And then hits the solo home run later in the game. So, you know, right swing, wrong time. So, interesting. Uh, it's interesting. I got an email here, and we're going to jump into the email inbox in a little bit. But I got an email from Jeff about, this is Jeff with a J, uh, from Palo Alto, uh, about home runs. And, I, I mean, this game is literally... Jeff, I'm going to tell you, I, I, let's just get into his email, because I agree with the things you're saying. It's just ironic that, you know, the night you send this to me, the game is like the absolute opposite of what your email is. Um, so, Jeff, I want you to know, Jeff, with a J, that absolutely nothing I say on this podcast has anything to do with, uh, you know, with the emailers pushing me one way or another. I'm just reacting to the game, so it's nothing personal. He says, uh, I just want to drop you a note because it seems like after you read my last email, you've been emphasizing the importance of home runs a bit more during your recaps. I think this, the home runs have just been happening. So I, I promise it's nothing personal, Jeff. He says, I don't mind being called out a bit if that's, what it's, that's what's up because it makes me feel like a legit part of the CBM community, and that's great. Let's keep the discussion going. So uh, it's a little bit of a long email. I'm going to try to summarize a little bit here. Um, but he said, after the Petco finale, you rightly pointed out that the three-run jacks by Fry and Tatis were huge. Left unsaid was the fact that the guys had to get on ahead of those, uh, had to get on base to make those crooked numbers possible. When I was a kid and you weren't born yet, I don't mind being called out for my age. Earl Weaver used to say pitching and three-run homers were the key to winning. I agree, but you can't hit them with the bases empty. To put it another way, Dr. Sticks gave up 25 bombs last year. Should the front office have dumped them during the offseason? No, he had the fifth best on base percentage against an MLB. So those were more likely to be solo shots. I agree with you, Jeff. Uh, I can live with solo shots. I absolutely can live with solo shots. 
And so could the Arizona Diamondbacks in this game because they give up the solo shot that Andres Jimenez. And look, it affects the game just as him, much as him drawing a bases-loaded walk affected the game. So it really devalues the home run when they're solo home runs. You're absolutely right there. Uh, taken to an extreme, a team whose seasonal stats mirror the career numbers of Stephen Kwan, high on base percentage, low slugging, will score more runs than the ones which embody the career of now ex-Guardian Mike Zanino, low on base, decent slugging. Obviously, we both won a team of Mike Trouts, but that ain't going to happen. Given the limitation of the current roster, working on plate discipline and making hard contact on mistake pitches, even if they don't go over the fence, seems to be the quickest avenue for improvement. That and getting a mulligan on Yandy Diaz. Yes, we will always regret that trade. Um, and then he goes on to talk a little bit about San Diego's offense. Yeah, they're, they're actually, we were pumping them up uh, just because there's so many stars on the team. But statistically, they actually aren't that high ranking. Uh, so you're right there. And uh, he says, I love seeing a majestic clout disappear into the night as much as the next fan. Maybe more, but there are no style runs in baseball. I want I want to watch an offense that works pitchers, takes its walks, maximizes extra base hits, and gets into bullpens early. The runs will follow. Uh, thank you, Jeff from Palo Alto. So, with all that said, I'm not saying you're wrong at all, Jeff. In fact, I think you're right. I like rallies. My point was more that they are a lot of work. A lot of things have to go right for a lot of players for those rallies to happen. Whereas a two-run home run can happen very fast. So where the Guardians put in all this work to scratch across a run in the first, they get a solo home run in the third, so they put in all this work and only have two runs to show for it, and then boom, fourth inning, someone gets on, Bieber leaves a curveball up, and uh, Walker, Christian Walker, takes him deep, and it's a tie game. So all that work you put in in the first inning, getting guys on base, working the count, Drawing walks off of their starter, Henry. All that work you put in in the first. All that work in the in the second inning with uh, Quan and Rosario getting on again. And boom, uh, they've tied the game up. So, yes, you are right, Jeff. I, I think that is the Guardians' path to success. But you got to finish these rallies. you got to have the big hit behind when guys get on base. And they just didn't have it tonight. I thought Rosario and uh, Ramirez and uh, Ramirez and Naylor had decent swings. There were a couple, you know, lineouts to outfielders and things like that. Looking back over the expected batting averages, though, I guess they weren't as good as I thought. In the first inning, uh, Ramirez's lineout only had a 210 expected batting average. Naylor's flyout only had a .050 expected batting average. So, I, they both had 80 exit velocities in the 80s, so I guess they weren't as good as swings as I thought. I, I mean, they were putting the ball in play, which, you know, sometimes that works out. Uh, in the in the second inning, to end the second inning, Ramirez pops out behind first base. Now, it only had an expected batting average of .050, but Cattell Marte, coming from second base, had to make like a bas- over-the-shoulder basket catch to make this out. So it really did feel like one of those pop-ups that might drop in and score a run and they just didn't have the bat bip luck, the batting average balls in play luck uh, to finish off some of these rallies. So, I mean, the offense was doing it all night. I, it's amazing how many times Quan and Rosario were able to get on base. Uh, Ramirez is ground out in the fourth. You remember, he smashes one to first base. 90.5 mile per hour exit velocity to a first baseman playing in, but it only had an expected batting average of 160. So it doesn't get the job there, uh, job done there. 
late in the game, uh, he had a line out after Rosario gets on with a fielding error. His line out at 86.4 had a 450 expected batting average. So if anything was going to drop, it was going to be Ramirez's line out in the seventh. And even in the ninth inning, even after Bieber probably stays in the game too long and gives up all those runs in the eighth, and after Arizona does that damage, you still load the bases in the ninth inning. So even in the ninth inning, you had a chance in this game. And Jose Ramirez hits a sack fly to center field, and uh, Naylor would ground out hard, 101.5 miles per hour to first base, 440 expected batting average. So he hit one hard just right at an infielder. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, it was just that kind of night. So, I'm Jeff, you see the point. Like, I'm not saying the Guardians needed a home run in those situations, but they needed a big hit. I, we all would have taken a home run, but they needed a big hit in this game, and it just wasn't there, and, and, you know, at least not for lack of contact. I mean, all these things, Ramirez is putting the ball in play. He's, he's trying. He's trying to go opposite field. He's trying to drive some line drives. He tried. He gave it his best. Uh, it just wasn't there for the Guardians' offense in this one. On the other side of things, man, Bieber looked like he was in control of this game. He was pitching so well. Again, pounding the strike zone. Face. There were a lot of lefties. It seemed in this. Uh, I didn't count them up, but it seemed like there were a lot of lefties in this Arizona Diamondbacks uh, uh, lineup. So we're used to Bieber pounding the glove side of the plate, right? Especially with that fastball and cutter. This time, because there's so many lefties, he's pounding the arm side of the plate, uh, staying away from those lefties. He pretty much, that's, that's Bieber's thing. He pretty much just pitches to the outside edge of whoever's up to bat. And, uh, man, he was doing so good through seven innings. And if the Guardians had completed some of those rallies earlier in the game, it's a completely different situation. Bieber's probably not in there in the eighth inning. Uh, they probably go to their bullpen, the back end of their bullpen, to finish off that game. He got up to 99 pitches eventually, goes seven and a third, gives up seven hits, five earned runs eventually, two walks, five strikeouts, three home runs given up by Shane Bieber, and then a solo one given up by Nick Sandlin later in the eighth inning. Uh, 99 pitches, Bieber is hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven times. So the hard hit balls didn't stop for Shane Bieber. But, uh, man, he was doing so much better. Uh, the, the whiff rate was decent, nine whiffs on 44 swings. They weren't really going after that slider or that knuckle curve. Uh, he got three whiffs on 15. Well, I guess they were going after the slider. They weren't missing it is what I should say because they got three whiffs on 15 swings on that slider, which and only one on eight swings on the knuckle curve. So I usually expect more swing and miss from those pitches. He was able to get 13 called strikes on that four-seam fastball. So the fastball, adding two whiffs, did have a 47% CSW, but it's only a 31% CSW total on the day for Bieber. So, uh, you know, not dominant in that fashion, but uh, was definitely making a lot of outs uh, leading up to uh, uh, leading up to uh, that eighth inning. Uh, and those home runs, uh, you know, a couple of them were definitely mistake pitches. Uh, let me go to just those home run pitches and we could talk about them here. Uh, because, uh, I did on the highlights, I did take a second and go back and watch where the catcher was set up. Uh, first for Andres Jimenez, it was a fastball that was up and in and he turns and pulls it down the right field line. It was a great swing by Andres Jimenez. Uh, let's see if I can get the exit velocity here on this one. 
102 mile per hour exit velocity, 33 degree launch angle, right down that line. Um, then uh, let me reload the page here so I can actually see some of this information because StatCast does a weird thing where it just likes to uh, black out the names of all the hitters, which isn't going to help me very much, StatCast. So uh, let's start with Christian Walker's. Uh, he goes opposite field. It was a knuckle curve that Cam Gallagher definitely wanted down and away. He definitely was set up for a low pitch. And this thing stays up above the belt, maybe even up at the letters, out over the plate. And Walker, man, I, I'm i not a person that I've never been able to hit the opposite way for power. I can hit to the opposite field, but I've never been able to hit to the opposite field for power. So I can't even imagine what this swing is like from Christian Walker. Again, I know I'm talking about old man softball, but but still, I can't even imagine the swing of Christian Walker because he keeps his hips closed, right? He drives it the other way, uh, but he does it with such power. I mean, he absolutely smacked that thing. Uh, it's a knuckle curve that was up and away. Uh, Jake McCarthy's, again, was a slider that I believe was supposed to be against the lefty, was supposed to be on the outside edge. It looks like that's where Cam Gallagher was set, set up. So kind of a backdoor slider. Instead, it comes down and in, and he's able to turn on it and drive it for a home run. And then uh, Corbin Carroll was just a fastball, a low fastball at the thighs, but it was out over the plate, and he just drove that one to right center field. So that's just a good swing by Corbin Carroll there, going down and getting a low fastball. Um, so let's go back to the uh, scoreboard. I'm just curious, uh, you know, what the uh, what the home run numbers were. So Jimenez was 30 out of 30 ballparks, would have been a home run. Uh, he does wrap it around the foul pole. Uh, if you listen to Hamilton's call, he was a little unsure, but that foul pole, what, what was going to happen with that one? But he does wrap it around the foul pole there for a home run. Uh, Christian Walker's 22 out of 30 ballparks. It would have been a home run in, uh, let's see, uh, 104.7 mile power exit velocity, 24 degree launch angle, 380 out to right field. And then into the eighth inning, uh, McCarthy's uh, only a 99.5 mile per hour exit velocity, 397, 24 out of 30 ballparks. Corbin Carroll's was at 110.1, and he really barreled up that fastball. 25 degree launch angle, 426, 30 out of 30 ballparks. And then Guriel uh, Jr.'s off of Sandlin. Uh, he actually goes out for a slider away and somehow pulls it in the left field, only at 94.1. Uh, 26 out of 30 ballparks. Only goes 361 into the left field corner, but there's probably not that many deep left field corners. So uh, 26 out of 30 ballparks. I bet Cleveland's isn't one. Oh, no, I would assume with that high wall in left field, the progressive field wouldn't have been on the list, but nope, it's on the list. Would have been a home run there. Um, so, yeah, so uh, those are your, and the home runs have to be the, the other storyline of this game, right? So that's, that's like, Jeff, that's why your email is at the worst time because literally the Arizona Diamondbacks kill us with home runs some of these are solo home runs two run home runs and they they beat us six to three because here we are getting on base and not finishing these rallies and here they are hitting home runs even solo home runs and running up the score having a party in Arizona a launch party so uh I just I agree with your email Jeff I do I agree with you but it's just the night you send it, this happens. And it's like, man, uh, terrible timing uh, to have that discussion. So uh, that is uh, the storylines of your Saturday game. Uh, so th I think that's where I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, let's go over. Marlon uh, emailed in from Birmingham. 
And uh, Marlon, I got to tell you, your emails are like everything I'm going to say. Uh, everything I'm thinking about going into the episode, uh, you email in. So I love it. Uh, upon realizing McKenzie was injured and Toussaint was pitching, uh, I accepted last night's performance upon realizing McKenzie was injured and Toussaint was pitching. So yeah, I kind of threw away that game too once I realized what was happening with the pitching staff. Uh, he talks a little bit about T- Tito catching flack for not subbing Bieber. Some of the decisions Tito made, you know, he was. He was trying to push Bieber as far as he could because, he, again, he's trying to save the bullpen and refresh the bullpen and give those guys rest. And I, They did that at least, but they didn't win the game. And, again, I don't think he makes that decision uh, if they have the lead. Um, so, yeah, so Marlon. Uh, oh, okay, so here's Marlon's last point. Uh, Bieber was phenomenal for Cleveland but it's time to trade him. I suggested the Cardinals, and then he suggests a big trade with the Cardinals and Yankees and Guardians, basically like kind of a three-way trade um, where we'd give up Bieber, Karinczak, and Tanya. You know, Marlon, I am I know trade discussions are easy, easy fodder for podcasts. I'm just, honestly, I'm not too into them. I used to look at these, you know, trade ideas on Bleacher Report and these top 25 trade ideas or a trade idea for every team. And they're, they're fun to look at and think, oh, yeah, maybe. But the trades never go down that way. Never go down that way. The Guardians end up going after players. Did you know about Gabriel Arias and Josh Naylor and Cal Quantrill when we traded with San Diego? Like, were those the names on your radar? It seems like these trades kind of always come out of nowhere. So I appreciate the effort here on a, a proposed trade between the Cardinals and Yankees. He's looking for outfielders from the Cardinals system. And uh, we'll see. I've heard the Cardinals name talked about a lot because they they do need the pitching help there's a bunch of teams out there that need the pitching help so marlon thank you for for being on the same wavelength with me uh he also wants to you know what marlon you saved me here because i almost forgot mvp on the day and marlon is gonna save me he said i forgot to mention this in my previous email but i wanted to give a shout out to Quan and rosario for their four hit performances their job is to set the tone for the offense by getting on base and they did Jose and Naylor went hitless, unfortunately. Jimenez also had a nice game at the plate. Marlon, you reminded me that MVP on the day. Yes, I am going to split it. I am going, you can't, I mean, they both go four for five. So how am I supposed to pick between the two of them? I know that, uh, I know that a lot of Ahmed Rosario's came from like a couple of weird plays down at third base. He was attacking the third baseman for, uh, for the D-backs who was out there. Uh, Josh Rojas. Uh, you know, hitting him all over the place at Rojas. Uh, but he does go four for five on the day. And he reached on that fielding error too. So uh, both him and Quan, I mean, you can't, you literally can't ask for anything more from your first and second hitters in your lineup. So co-MVPs on the day for Quan and Rosario. Uh, Bieber was in the running until that eighth inning. I mean, he, he really was until that eighth inning. So that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, thanks for understanding for these road episodes. Thank you for your emails, Jeff and Marlon. The final, again, we'll just say on Saturday, it's the D-back six, the Guardians three. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Join in the conversation. And thanks again for being on the